In the name of God, creator, liberator, and sustainer of the universe. Amen. In our gospel reading this morning from the 14th chapter of John's gospel, before his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus is having a discussion with the disciples. And in this discussion, among other things, he says to them that he will leave them. But when he leaves, he will send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he says, will be with you forever. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will empower you. And get this. The Holy Spirit will allow you to do greater works than I did. The Holy Spirit will allow you to do greater works than I did. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, which we heard read in many languages today, the promised gift of the Holy Spirit comes to the community gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish feast of Pentecost, the community that we today call church. According to the book of Acts, the Spirit comes and it is associated with wind, fire, and understanding. Peter says on this day that the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit comes, will lead men and women to prophesy be able to read the signs of the times in which they live, to see visions of something other than what is, and to dream the dreams that will allow them to move toward that vision. Today is the Feast of Pentecost, and I want you to know that although, as I read not too long ago in a magazine article, in which the author said that in all his years as a Christian, he had received many Christmas cards, Easter cards, but never one Pentecost card, and he wondered how seriously the Christian church took the Feast of Pentecost. Well, I want you to know that the Feast of Pentecost is critical. Without the giving of the Spirit, there is no church. Without the giving of the Spirit, there is no Christian community. And I want you to remember this, as radical as it may sound to Episcopalians. The Feast of Pentecost tells us that we are all called to be Pentecostals. We are all called 
to be open to the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be led in the only three directions that the Spirit ever leads, passion, danger, and mystery. Those are the three areas, passion, danger, and mystery. Parenthetically, I also want to point out that I think that it is very appropriate that the Feast of Pentecost this year is celebrated during LGBTQAI Pride Month and during the year of the 50th anniversary of the Great Stonewall Uprising. What some of you may not know is that the word for spirit in Hebrew is ruach, which is a feminine word. The word for spirit in Greek is pneuma, which is a gender neutral word. The word for spirit in Latin is spiritus, which is a masculine word. The Holy Spirit is often referred to as the most feminine dimension of the Holy Trinity, but yet universally is referred to as he. If anyone understands sexual struggle identity, it is the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, in the Bible, the Spirit is central. In the very beginning, the Spirit moves over the face of the water and brings order out of chaos. The Spirit raises up, Spirit raises up charismatic leaders such as Moses. The Spirit raises up shepherds to become kings. The ship, the Spirit calls herdsmen to be prophets, prophets that denounce economic injustice and call for the liberation of God's people. In the 36th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, we are promised by the prophet Ezekiel that that the Spirit will put a new heart in us. Take away our old heart. We'll put a loving, caring, justice-seeking heart in us. Matthew tells us that it's the Spirit coming upon Jesus, coming upon Mary that enables her to give birth to Jesus. Luke 4, we are told that Jesus spoke, preached, and healed in the power of the Spirit. In the first chapter of Romans, Paul tells us that it was the Spirit that raised up Jesus. And in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, Paul reminds us that if we are Christians, we are always in the process of being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And in the great book of Revelation, the seer John, exiled on Patmos, sees a new heaven and a new earth in the Spirit. The Spirit lifted me up. 
and enable me to see that. The Spirit calls us to continue the ministry of Jesus. The Spirit calls us to recognize and discern the gifts that we have all been given. We are promised in our baptism that we will be given the gift of the Spirit. And we are all to discern and be able to name and use the gift that we've been given. The Spirit opens us to the future with radical expectation in the hope that, in fact, we will be able to move toward that promised new heaven and new earth. Spirit sets the captive free. Sets the captive free from addiction, from oppression. The great Swiss theologian Karl Barth said, the task of the Christian, the task of the Christian is to wake up every morning with the New York Times in one hand and the Bible in the other and read the one in the light of the other and then make the decision where the Spirit is calling you to go. And then make the decision where the Spirit is calling you to go. We live in a world of moral crisis. I see the crisis, as I think daily, of of that now more than 700 million people on our planet Earth who live on less than $2 a day. That's nearly half the Earth's population. That's less than $1,000 a year. Half of those people will die of starvation this year. Every time you snap your finger, a person dies of starvation. Every time you snap your finger. And you know, we have enough food to feed everyone. It's not that we don't have food, it's the way it's distributed. It is who has access to it. We decide who lives and who dies. We decide that on our southern border. Since we started counting in 1998, 7,556 migrants from Central America have died in the heat, the 93 degree weather that they all have to walk through because the other paths that were more direct to the border have all been now blocked and closed. And they are routed in a way that takes them days longer to reach the border. So these people are not dying accidentally. They're being killed. And there are church groups, church groups who go out on a daily basis and place gallon jugs in the desert, gallon jugs of water. In the last two years, the Border Patrol has destroyed 3,000 556 gallons of water. They simply punch holes in it and let the water drain out so the people will not have access to the water. And 
The church people who were members of groups such as No More Deaths are now being charged with federal crimes. One person in Arizona is now facing a 20-year sentence for putting water in the desert for migrants to drink. Our moral compass seems to have gone haywire. Seems to have gone haywire. We seem death, hell-bent on destroying the face of the earth. We have known since 1988, for example, that unless we change the way that we live in what is now 80 more years, half the planet will be so hot that it will literally cook the human body. We've known since 1988, at least, that whole countries in now less than 80 years will be underwater, Bangladesh. We have known that whole cities, Miami being one, will be underwater. Now, when this happens, if we think we have an immigration crisis now, what is it going to be like? What is it going to be like when half, half the planet Half the planet can no longer live where they're living. We're going to have a huge, huge migration crisis. And we need to be dealing with that now. But are we? No. We are primarily in a debate about whether it's real or not. It's kind of like a debate about whether the earth is flat or round. Last March, in New Zealand, a man killed 50 innocent people while they were at prayer. That's a horrible event. But what is also horrible was that he stream-fed a video on Facebook of the carnage so we could all see it. And we watched. The sense of the sacred seems often to be absent in the world in which we live. And we are called to ask ourselves in such a world, what are we called to do? Some years ago, I was going to the Diocese of Costa Rica to teach, and I was greeted by my good friend, Bishop of Costa Rica who was always asking me to do things when I least expected it. I went with an ordination to him in which in the procession he told me that I would be preaching the sermon. <laughs> we, we, we landed, he picked me up at the San Jose airport and he informed me that we were going to a Central American Pentecostal church conference, which there would be seven thousand Pentecostals, all speaking in tongues, by the way, and that he had been invited to have a speaker from the Diocese of Costa Rica address the assembly, and that he had chosen me, and that we would be there in five to ten minutes. The Pentecostal bishop, who spoke before I did, I will never forget what he said. 
He said to this huge group of people, all speaking in Glossolalia, he said, we speak in many tongues, he said. But he said, you know, the most important tongue in which we speak is the tongue of the poor. He said, we Pentecostals know the tongue of the poor because we are poor. I thought how important it is in the world in which we live, the world in which we live, that we learn to speak in the tongue of the poor. I thought of how important it is for us who live in the first world to understand, to understand that we do not know all truth, to understand that the spirit does not just operate in the church and does not just operate in North America. But the spirit is wild and free. And the spirit is operating in our world. And we are called to see what we are being called to do today. Among others, in the face of the destruction of the earth, it is very clear that we are called to live more simply if others are simply to live. That we are called to detach ourselves from time to time from our cell phone so that we at least consider, consider becoming attached to the sufferings of the world. We must be willing to open ourselves to the spirit doing the impossible in our world. A friend of mine who was a Methodist bishop in Alabama told me this following story. He said that at a conference of Methodist bishops a few years ago, four bishops were asked to address this conference on how the spirit had most effectively operated in their district during their ministry. He said there were two American bishops and two African bishops. The African bishops were visiting and been asked to speak. He said the first American bishop said that when he became bishop, there were churches in his urban area that needed to be closed, that economically it was draining the church, and he believed the spirit had enabled him and his councils to come to the decision to close these small churches and that economically they were doing much better. Second bishop said that when he became bishop, when he became bishop, they had for years been wanting to build a youth camp, and they had not been able to do it. But that since he had been bishop, they had found donors who had, in fact, donated the money that was needed. And they were able to do things they haven't even imagined doing, such as building an Olympic-sized swimming pool for the youth at the church camp. Then the first African bishop spoke, and he said, during his time in bishop, the Holy Spirit had freed Nelson Mandela from jail and overthrown the entire apartheid system. The second African bishop said that he had recently been called to visit a man who was in the process of dying. When he got there, the nurse announced that the man had already died he said they went in, laid hands on him, and prayed that the Holy Spirit would raise him up, and he did. The 
man telling me the story said, the U.S. bishops did not know what to say. They did not know what to say. We're asked to be open to the impossible, to allow the Spirit to move through us without our being in control. We are asked for the Spirit to enable us to envision a new heaven and a new earth, to enable us to realize that we need to be led into all truth because we do not know it, to realize that the Spirit acts outside of us, as I said in the beginning, in such things as the great Stonewall Rebellion. And let us pray that we may ask the Spirit to save our planet, to save our race, and to make us one. Let there be peace among us, and let us never be instruments of our own or anyone else's oppression.